But today, we're going to talk about an aspect of relational intelligence that is, is one of my favorite topics in the world to talk about. And it's the topic of leadership. And you might say, well, why am I going, why are we talking about leadership when it comes to relational intelligence? And I would just propose to you today that if I'm going to be relationally intelligent, I can't ignore the subject of leadership. I can't do it. Why? Because you might argue with me about this. Some of you are like, well, Joe, I'm not a leader. And I would, I would lovingly just challenge you today that we all have influence, even if the only influence you have is over your remote control. And you got that death grip on that remote control and you're not giving it to anybody else in the house, right? That's your remote control. Hey, hey, you've got influence. You have influence. You might not have to be a title. You might even still be on just that lowest rung at the totem pole at your work. And you feel like, you know, everybody's always telling you what to do. But you have influence and you're a leader. We cannot, and this is where, you know, we bring Jesus into this. And, and you might say, well, Joe, leadership, that's just kind of a worldly topic these days. No, no, no. Because you cannot separate the Great Commission, which is the job that Jesus gave us to do. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded to, to you. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, we can't be leaders who do that if we don't see ourselves as a leader. And the Great Commission wasn't just given to pastors. The Great Commission wasn't just given to people that have a title. The Great Commission was given to every single person who follows Jesus Christ. And you might be thinking to yourself today, well, I might be thinking, rethinking my following of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if I still want to follow him if I have to, have to be a leader. But I want to just encourage you. He's going he's gonna to equip you along the way, but this, we can't separate the two. We can't separate the two. There's no compartmentalization in God's word where, where we're allowed to say, well, I want all these good things from God, but I'm going to ignore these commands that he's given us to follow. And so what does a leader mean? What does it mean to be a leader? I think you can boil it down to two words, and it's taking responsibility. Taking responsibility. What does a leader do? They take responsibility for where they're leading themselves, right? A leader takes responsibility for how we're influencing others, even in the little things. A leader takes responsibility for how they're encouraging other leaders. And a leader takes responsibility for how we're affecting organizations or churches that we're a part of. And we take responsibility and we say, I'm not going to let someone else dictate how I live, what I do, or where I'm going. I'm going to be a leader. And you might say, well, Joe, I'm not the boss. Guess what? You can lead from wherever you are in the organizational structure of your life if you choose to. And so today we're going to talk about how do we be leaders that honor God. Jesus turned this whole thing upside down in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. And I apologize it's not on the screen today, but hopefully you will get the gist. Jesus calls his buddies together. They had been arguing and, and he said, you know... The rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Have you ever had a leader like that? They're just kind of like, they love to put the thumb down. They love to make the decision. They love to be the one making the call and they love to be the one bossing people around. But then Jesus throws the hammer down and he says something that for Christians should completely change the way we view leadership. He says, but among you, it will be different. 
Jesus didn't say, but among you it should be different. He didn't, no, he said it will be. He says it's not an option, right? But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus takes this worldly model of leadership that says, I got the power. You know, we've got the power. And you're singing a song, and you're like, I've got, I've got the power. I can tell people what to do. No, no. He, he flips it all on its head. And he said, you want to be a leader? Serve. You want to be a leader? Then your leadership style better look different than all the other leaders in your life who are just asserting their own worldly power. Right? Jesus brings this, this concept of others-focused leadership, of selfless servant leadership. And, and so if I'm going to be the kind of leader that God wants me to be, I've got to have that as my basis. And I've got to understand what I'm going to call today the five C's of leadership intelligence. If you're going to be an intelligent leader, if you're going to be intelligent as you lead others in your relationship, or even if you're just starting with leading yourself, then you've got to understand these five C's today. And so if you want to grab the, the half sheet of notes on your chair today, it's there along with your life group brochure that you can take a look at if you're getting bored during my message today. Um, that's, t that's okay. I'd rather you get in a life group than, um, than be bored in my message today. And so, uh, so check it out. I don't even care if you sign up for a life group while I'm preaching, man, in my heart, I'm like, that's a win. Come on, baby. Let's do it. So here we go. You can follow along in the half sheet. You can open up your mosaic church app. The notes are there as well. But the first C of leadership intelligence is calling. Calling. Listen, if I'm not utterly convinced that I'm called, I'll wander aimlessly and let the world call me according to its standards, its priorities, and its direction. We all answer a call in life. Every single one of us do. And you might say, Joe, I've never found my calling. I just, I just work my job. And, and kind of the classic example would be, Joe, I'm, I'm just a janitor. Or Joe, I'm just a fill in the blank. Whatever, whatever job that you have that is, you landed in it. And, and you might, you maybe, you're like, oh, I never felt called to this. But, you know, I, it's, just, it's just the job I came to be. And, and, you know, and you look at other people that maybe have, oh, I was called. And, and you're kind of jealous. And you look at them and you're like, man, I wish I had a calling. But I just want to encourage you. It doesn't matter how you feel. It matters what's real. And God's word says that you are called. You're called. And hopefully, as we unpack this, you're going to look at your calling a little bit different. And remember, if you don't get utterly convinced of your calling, you're going to wander aimlessly. And you're going to let the world call you according to its standards, priorities, and directions. I want to tell you just my story of calling. All of them have. You know, I was the son of a pastor, grew up in the church, loved it, had a great godly example of what it meant, not just to follow Jesus, but to be in ministry and to be a great leader. Um, my dad, I look up to him just, just about more than anybody else in my life. He's, uh, he's wise, he's steady, he's um, consistent, right? And so um, when I was little, I, I kind of felt like, well, maybe I'm going to be in ministry too. 
But during youth camp one summer, and by the way, our kids are going to in a youth camp in just a couple weeks, and, and they could have an experience like this there. It doesn't have to happen at camp, but it could. But at camp one time, man, I felt the presence of God, and I knew that God was calling me into ministry. As my face was flat on that carpeted camp auditorium floor, you know, that probably was full of teenager sweat and germs and bawling my eyes out knowing that God was calling me to ministry. Well, over the years, that changed about 20 times, you know, and I found myself at college as a music major and God felt God speak to my heart. Joe, music isn't all there is. And music is great. And I love music, but hey, that's that's not that's not your main focus. God said, Joe, you're majoring on the minor things in life. And 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 he called me towards missions. And so I, I graduated college. I went to Bulgaria. I spent a few years there, met Jolie along the way. We got married. We had a kid. So we got this, this little baby, Jason, who's now almost taller than I am. And we're in this apartment on the fifth floor of an of a, of a, uh, apartment complex in, in Sofia, Bulgaria, living life. Thought I'd be there forever. Thought, man, man I'm going to be in Bulgaria the rest of my life. Well, a few years later, God had different plans. We find ourselves back in the States. I'm in Wisconsin. I'm pulling wire through houses when it's five below zero and there's no heat in the house. And I'm wondering, God, what in the world is going on? I thought you called me. Right? Why? Because life takes twists and turns and things happen and, and things you just don't understand. And it was in that season of doing something I didn't think I was supposed to be doing that God just continued to whisper, you're called, you've got a purpose, I'm not done with you. After about a year and a half there, got a phone call to go down to, to Sandwich, Illinois. No one arrives in Sandwich, Illinois on purpose, let me just tell you. But by the providence of God, I arrived there and I got some friends from Sandwich here today came through on their motorcycles. How cool is that? And so I arrive in Sandwich, and after a few months there, I'm like, the lights are going, God, you've called me and you've affirmed it once again. Fast forward 12 years later and God begins to call me again. Joe, I'm, I'm calling you. I'm, I'm asking you to step out and, and be a lead pastor. Never had thought about that in my life. It just was never a part of the aspirations in my heart. And God begins to put that desire in there. And all of a sudden I found myself called to Mosaic Church. So let me just tell you, it, it takes a lot of twists and turns along the way. There's tons of question marks. There's tons of stops. There's tons of different jobs. I've done a gazillion different things. I've learned all kinds of stuff along the way. But one thing that has never left me is the fact that I was called. And how many of you know it didn't have so much to do with the geography or the actual job description at the moment, right? It had way more to do with what God said about me. You see, in Ephesians chapter four, verse one, it says, uh, Paul says, therefore, I, a prisoner. So listen to where he is. He's in the worst circumstance of his life. He's in prison, a prisoner for serving the Lord. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. Who was he talking to? He was talking to all the Ephesian believers. He wasn't just talking to some of them. He was talking to all of them. Which means that for you and for me today, we can adopt this verse in our life and say, yes, I have been called and I better lead a life worthy of my calling. For I have been called by God. 
Some of you need to memorize that verse and say it every morning. You know, you don't need to get up and look in the mirror and say, you know, uh, I'm special and, and somebody loves me and I'm good enough and I'm strong enough. No, you need to look in the mirror and say, I have been called by God. I need to lead a life worthy of my calling. I love what Craig Groeschel says. He says, calling isn't about something important you do in the future. So many times we get stuck on that. It's like someday. Calling is not about something important you do in the future. It's about your faithfulness to Jesus today. Because if you aren't faithful to Jesus today, you'll never get where God's calling you to. Never. So what are we called to do? We talked about this in the child dedication earlier. Love God. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Strength. Great commission. Tell the world. And to do that, you better lead the way. Or you go to our website right on the front. Love God. Love people. Lead the way. It's what God has called us to do, and you can't escape it, Christian. The the question is, will I answer the call to leadership? Will I answer the call to lead a life worthy of my calling? You know, how does this start? A lot of times people will give their hearts and lives to Christ and they oh man, they're so overcome with joy and, and purpose and direction. And then what happens? God begins to rewire their heart and their desires. And the things that used to really get them going don't quite get them going as much anymore. And they begin to think, God's got something different for me in life. And so what begins to grow? There there begins to grow in their heart just a longing to do more and to make a difference. But not for themselves, but for the cause of Christ. And as you get closer to Jesus, a hunger grows inside of you to selflessly invest your life for the sake of others. The problem is, so much of the time, we don't know what to do with that, and so we just kind of like, you know, that, that fire begins to fade, and all of a sudden we find ourselves right back in our old selfish ways, just living for the next paycheck, the next raise, the next promotion, the next thing that's going to make us feel better. And so I just want to encourage you, remember what we said in, in week one, if you can't define it, you can't work on it. And so what does this mean? What does this mean to lead and to to grow and to to be called? And if we're called to lead a life or they we're calling, what does that look like? And I just want to give you a quick definition of of leadership. And we'll use the acronym SERVE. SERVE. S-E-R-V-E. The S stands for see the future. Man, if you're going to lead a life worthy of your calling and you want to be a leader, even if you're just leading yourself, you got to see the future. You're asking yourself, where do I want to go? Where do we need to go? Where is God going? And begin to think about it. Where am I headed? And then the the E stands for engage and develop others. What am I called to do? I'm called to engage and develop others. This is the Great Commission. I'm called to make disciples. John Maxwell says, "If, if you think you're leading but no one is following you, you're just taking a walk, right? And so if you want to lead a life worthy of your calling, then it's time to start engaging and developing others. The R stands for reinvent continually. If I'm going to lead a life worthy of my calling, I've got to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm reading. I'm getting in God's word. I'm reinventing myself over and over and over to hopefully look more like Jesus because I'm begging him every day to change me. 
The V stands for value, relationships, and results. Jesus said in John 15, when you bear much fruit, you're my true disciples. When you bear much fruit, you're my true disciples. And so what does he say? Abide in me, stay close to me, have a close relationship with Jesus, and bear fruit. Jesus values his relationship with you, but he also values results. And then E, the E stands for embody the values of my Lord. Embody the values of my Lord. And Jesus said this, and like this, among you it will be different. And so what's the value? It's, it's serving. It's selfless sacrifice. And so what am I called to? I'm called to serve. I'm called to lead. I'm called to live a life worthy of what God has asked me to do. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12, Paul said it a little bit different way. He said, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his, of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. I love that last part because so many times we make our calling all about us, all about our leadership, all about our talents, all about our strengths, all about our weaknesses, when it, it, it couldn't be farther you know, than about that. It's, it's about the grace of God. And you can do it, church. I just wanna encourage you. I hope you hear it. You are called. It's time to lead, lead a life worthy of your calling. Number two. The, the second C of relational intelligence when it comes to leadership is competency. Competency. And this is basically just asking ourselves the question, how or where do I need to grow as a leader? Where do I need to personally develop? Competency. Proverbs 24, 27 says it like this. It says, get your fields ready and plant your crops before starting a, your home. Before starting a home, you know, most of the time we want to build the house first. We want to, we want the, the, the comfort first. We want to have that nice place to sit down and cook and, and eat first. But the writer of Proverbs is telling us, hey, no, start in the fields. Start with the hard work. Start plowing up the ground. Start planting those crops. Start making those investments in your life that might take a long time to see the fruit from. That's totally backwards from what we want. I heard somebody the other day telling me that as they are trying to hire people in their business, that, these, that young people are coming to them these days and saying, I only want to get paid through Cash App and I want to get paid daily. <laughs> and the employer looks at them and is like, that's not how it works. You're gonna get paid bi-weekly, and here's your options and how you wanna get paid. <laughs> and the kids say, okay, I'm not working here then, and they take a hike. And this, I'm not bashing on, on the, the Gen Zers today, but, um, but there's this kinda thing that's been in our culture for a long time. I want my comfort now, and I'll put the hard work in later or never. And that's just not how the kingdom of God works. In the Old Testament, the mantra was, if you don't work, 
you don't eat. Right? In the New Testament, Paul says, hey, suffer for Christ. And here in Proverbs, we're being encouraged, hey, get your fields ready and plant your crops before starting home. So maybe before you get to that leadership position where you're over all these people, maybe you just start working on yourself. And you ask yourself, where do I need to get better? Where do I need to plow up the ground of my heart and start getting stronger? And as, as you move through those questions, you remember it's not about me, it's about what I need to serve others. I wanna I want encourage you to operate in your strengths, but let God be glorified in your weaknesses as well, right? That's scripture. And so where, what are you good at that God just wants you to cultivate and get better? If you're not weekly, daily, monthly working on your personal development, working on getting better in some skill for the express purpose of glorifying God, I would say that, you know, that's an area to, to step up the work in your life. I'm going to give you a competency progression when it comes to leadership. A competency progression when it comes to leadership. The first area that you start working on competency is leading yourself. Leading myself. Don't fall into the trap of trying to or wanting to make an organizational impact before you steer the rudder of your own life well. Right? And so when you ask yourself, where do I need to get better? Don't just go to the, to the, to the things on the stage, you know, that everybody sees. Man, where in your personal life do you need to get better? Is it maybe you need to start reading or start, you know, um, being consistent with your devotions? Maybe you need to get, get your finances in order. Maybe you have a really hard problem submitting to authority in your life. There's just this streak of rebellion in your heart. Maybe, you know, it's just talking to people, communication. It could be a million things. But how do you need to lead yourself better? And then the second step is leading others. Leading others. You know, in the Bible it says before you lead others, you need to lead a life that's worthy of recalling. You need to lead a life that's above reproach. Meaning that you've kind of taken care of yourself, you've led yourself well, and because you're a good example, now you're ready to lead other people. And so the competency progression starts with you, and then you move on to leading others. And then what happens after that? After you're leading others and, and you're, you're doing it well, then you lead leaders. You lead leaders. And what does this mean? That you're reproducing leaders to do what you do or, or what they can do better. And you're pouring into others and you help lifting other leaders. And then the last step is leading organizations. Leading organizations. And why do I tell you all these things? So you can identify where you're at and what your next step is. Because if you can't define it, you can't work on it. And so what's your next step? It's also helpful to know when it comes to competency, how it fleshes out when moving from one stage to the next. You know, when you move from leading yourself to others and then you're leading leaders, you know, what does that look like? Let me just show you the five levels of leadership from John Maxwell real quick. The first level is rights. It's a positional step of leadership that, man, you have to follow me because I have the title. The second step is relationship. You're following me because you like me, because I've built a relationship with you, because you're beginning to trust me, right? And so, man, if you just got a position, your first step is to, to in competency is to build relationships with people and to be a good person in that relationship. And then you move on to results. Hey, we're winning together. We're getting some stuff done. We're moving the ball down the field, you know, and, and that is in some part to my leadership. 
And so, man, we're, we're getting results. And then the fifth step is reproduction. After you've been winning, you, you begin to build other leaders to do what you're doing. Man, parents, you can apply this model in your own home with your kids. You might have the title of parent, but does that mean they always say yes to you? <laughs> I wish, man, I got two teenagers and sometimes they say stuff that I'm just like, you said what? Right? And so what do I do? I try to build that relationship. I try to be a person that is respectable in their eyes. I, I try to be a person that they want to follow. And then when we start to win, I start to uh, try to have them do stuff that I do and you know, have them learn how to do it themselves. And then the last level of leadership is just respect, that people follow you because of who you are and because of all the investments they made in your life over the years. This is the pinnacle of leadership. It's the last step. And so I give you these two progressions just for you to identify where am I at? Maybe for you, it's just, you gotta start with yourself. But maybe for some of you, God is calling you to step out and lead a life group or to, to take that leadership position at work and to use the influence that God has put in your hand to make a difference for Christ. But you gotta grow in your competency as a leader. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. The third C is commitment. Commitment. And so first we figure out our calling. And then we start to work on our competencies. And then we got to just settle into Commitment. Man, as a pastor, this is where I see people kind of fall off the wagon more than any other area because anybody can get a good start. But after a while, you got to decide how committed am I? Right? How committed am I? How committed am I? What exactly am I committing to? Jesus says it like this in Matthew 16:24. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. That's an extreme commitment, isn't it? And yet it's what Jesus is saying we do when we follow him. When we say, God, I'm going to be more committed to follow you than every, anything else in my life. And so what does that turn leadership commitment into? It turns it into a selfless act. I'm not in it for prestige or power or possessions. I'm in it for people. So I'm committed to you. I'm committed to help you grow. I'm committed to, to be a good example for you to follow as I follow Christ. I'm committed. Listen, nothing is a sacrifice unless it costs you something, right? Too many times we want to serve Jesus on the side, right? It's like we want our cheeseburger and we want a little side of Jesus. You know, we just, you know, we just want a little to go with our meal, but we, we're not really making him the main thing. But man, if there's going to be one thing that's going to be all consuming in your life, let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus, church. We let all kinds of things consume our life. And, and I know we have to work. And I know that it's good for our kids to be involved in stuff. My kids are involved in stuff. But it can never take the place of Jesus having the number one spot. It can't. So if there's going to be one thing that you're completely committed to over everything else, let it be Jesus. What's going to test your commitment, though? Because it's easy to say, oh, I commit. What's going to test it, though? Number four, your character. The fourth C 
of leadership intelligence is character. And the question is, do I display the character required for the next stage of leadership in my life? Do I display this character? Listen, if your character is not strong enough, then the added expectations, burden, and workload is gonna expose the gaps and destroy your leadership influence every single time. Because why? Because if you say I'm gonna lead and you're growing in your competencies and you make a commitment, guess what it's gonna do? It's gonna expose the gaps of growth in your life every single time. Every time I step into a new leadership season, every time I step into a new venture, guess what it shows? The things I need to work on, right? Every time, and I hate that, but it's just true. And so what what do I do? I get used to the fact that my character isn't up to snuff yet and I need to keep growing. First Peter 1, 7 says it like this. These trials, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. We could say these trials that you're going through in life show that your commitment is genuine. That it wasn't just a a one-time deal that you're really sticking with it. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So what is, is, is Peter saying that, hey, these hard things that you're going through, the ways that your character is being tested, it's worth it. Don't give up. Stay in there. Let people speak into your life. Invite the accountability. Do whatever it takes to grow in your character. You think about Joseph in the Old Testament. Before God could use him, Joseph had to be prepared, he had to be purified, and he had to be forged into the leader that he had the potential to become. He went through all kinds of stuff. He was lied about, he was betrayed, he was sold as a slave, he was put in prison. All these trials that forged him into the leader that he would become. Christine Kane says it like this, the talent that is on you will destroy you if what's inside you can't sustain you. That's your character. Are you ready to stick with it? Are you ready to keep going no matter what the cost? Julius Caesar said it like this. He said, it's easier to find men who will volunteer to die than to find those who are willing to endure pain with patience. Isn't that crazy? It's it's easier to follow people who are willing to die than to follow people who are willing to endure pain with patience. And I would just say, if you want to grow in your character, if you want to be a person of character, that's what it's all about. I'm going to endure the painful moments, the trials of this life, the tough stuff. I was just talking to a leader last week that was going through it in their relationships and, and then with leadership choices and with leadership stuff. And they're like, it's hard. This hurts. It hurts when people that you're going through life with and you're trying to lead and you're trying to influence turn around and just give it to you and and you know question everything that you're doing and your values and 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 the why behind the what it hurts and so we got to grow in our character sam chan says it like this he says you'll only grow to the threshold of your pain and so the question becomes For the sake of Christ, for the cause of Christ, how much pain am I willing to endure? The Bible says it like this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. That's what Jesus did for you. 
He endured the pain. He endured the suffering. How much will your character carry you through? Are you going to let it carry you through as if you're being tested by fire? Are you going to let the trials and the tough stuff in life show that your faith is genuine? You can do it. And then the fifth thing today, the fifth C of leadership intelligence is our core values. Our core values. It's really hard to have healthy relationships if there aren't some ground rules. If you're not guided by values, if you're not guided by something deep inside of you that says, this is who I am and this is where I'm going and this is, these are the, the kind of guardrails of my life. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And so just some context, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. Corinthian church is kind of in some trouble and some division and some, um, you know, some, there's some false teaching. There's some craziness going on. And he's trying to come as a leader and bring some stability. And so what does he go back to? He goes back to his core values. And he says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided, and there's underline that, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Christ Jesus, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. Listen, church, when you step out in this leadership, that God's calling you to, when you step into your calling, when you really accept this mantle that you are called. Sometimes you're going to enter into seasons of your life and you're going to be weak and you're going to be trembling and you're not going to know if you're up to snuff. And this is where your core values have to kick in. And he says, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Man, you might be thinking, I got, I don't have what it takes I, don't, I can't talk like so-and-so. I can't sing like so-and-so. I can't lead like so-and-so. So Paul says his preaching was very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust, not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Paul was incredibly clear on his values. He didn't care if he himself was glorified. He didn't care if he sounded that great. He didn't care if he was coming in his weakness or in his strength. His core value was to lift up Jesus. His core value was to shine a light on Christ. You know, it's really hard to do what we were talking about last week when it comes to forgiveness and letting go of bitterness and to, and to, and to, to just not let those kind of things control you if your core value is not glorifying Christ. It's really hard to stay on track in your leadership journey and to lead a life worthy of a calling if your core value isn't to glorify Christ. Why? Because if you don't, you're gonna be overcome by insecurity, you're gonna overcome by your weakness, you're gonna be overcome by everything that you can't do. But Jesus is saying, hey, it's not about what you can do. It's, what I, about, I, it's, it's about what I can do through you. You see, Paul, as he was incredibly clear on his values, he wanted others to see Christ. He wanted to serve them with the gospel of Christ. And so he didn't just say it. He brought his core values in line with his actions. 
if you don't do that, if you don't bring your core values in line with your actions, it's just talk. It's just talk. You gotta bring into alignment your life and your values. What's Andy Stanley say? It's not about the vision statement on the wall. It's about the behavior down the hall. It's about what people are saying at the water cooler. It's about what you're saying in your life. It's about, you know, how are you reflecting Christ on social media? It's about how, how are you really reflecting Christ with your actions and your attitudes, your core values? Why is this so important in relationships and in leadership? Because competing core values lead to disunity and confusion in your relationships and in the body of Christ. Why? Because everybody's saying, I want this, I want that. How about we want Jesus? How about we want God's best? This is the alignment principle. This is why we talk about this so much in Class 101. This is why we say, hey, this is who we are as a church. Why? Because we gotta know what our core values are. This is why we unpack over and over and over. We're gonna love God, we're gonna love people, and we're gonna lead the way. That's why we say over and over, we're a three-chair church. We are gonna be a place that is safe for an unbeliever to find Jesus. We're gonna be a place that is, that is uh, where people can grow in their walk with Christ, and you don't have to go from zero to a mature Christian overnight. It's okay to, to walk through the journey and not be perfect. This is why we say, hey, we're gonna do five things and we're gonna try to do them really well. We're gonna do Sundays, make it to the front door for people to meet Jesus. We're gonna do kids and youth and missions and small groups, life groups. Why? Because this is what's important to us. That's why church, it's more than important than anything in our life that we're fully devoted followers of Jesus. Then nothing else is more important than that. Fully devoted everything, all of our life centered around following Jesus. So what are your core values? I would say that some of them need to come into alignment with the body of Christ. But then you as a parent, as, as a leader, what's your core values? I would encourage you to go home and journal about it this week. Maybe you put them above your mirror. Maybe, maybe you get one of those really cool Pinterest signs made and, and you put it right up in your living room. This is who I am. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm about. But today, as you think about the fact that God has called you, as you think about what do you need to work on, right? As you think about how committed am I? As you think about your character and how it needs to strengthen, as you think about your core values, I pray that just like Paul, it all boils down to exalting and magnifying Christ with your life. If you wanna be a leader, do these things. Accept the calling that Christ has placed in your life and then grow in these areas. Be sure about who you are, that you're called by God, that you've been given a mission by God, and that through God's spirit, you're going to be empowered by God to complete it. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you and give you some freedom to go on the journey. Like I said earlier, my journey played out over years and years and years and years and years. So don't feel like you've got to figure it out today. But you can start growing in every single one of these five areas today. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. 
We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.